Alright, so the NHL season's been over for about a month now. The Rangers season obviously has been over for a month too. Uh, losing Game 5 in devastating fashion to the LA Kings in the Stanley Cup final, leaving Henrik Lundqvist uh, laying on the ice, uh, finally giving in to the burden that is carrying the Rangers for not only this past season, but the uh, his entire uh, nine-year run now with the Rangers. And uh, we have a few months left till hockey begins again, but with NHL free agency kicking off last week, a lot of moves happen, a lot of moves happen with the Rangers. And uh, joining me today to talk about some of those moves is Brian Monzo, uh, producer for Mike Zahn, Francesa on the fan of WFAN and Fox Sports 1. Monzo, how's it going today? Uh, I think the Rangers just hit another post, so things are great. <laughs> well, the last time we talked, I just saw it was June 5th, so it's been about a month now. Um, and, you know, we, we talked before the series started. We didn't talk uh, after it. Um, I don't think anyone really wanted to talk directly after it. But, you know, when I when we went into that Stanley Cup final, I said that I didn't really care that the Rangers, um, if they lost, I was just happy at that point that they had gotten to the final. And then obviously that mentality changed once the series started and once they had a chance to win games one and two, and they probably should have won both with two goal leads. Uh, but they end up losing uh, in five games. Three of them go to uh, overtime. Two of them go to double overtime. And I think when you look back at this series, you know, somewhere down the road and people People who, who don't who didn't watch it or don't have a great memory of it, they'll see that the Rangers lost four games to one, but really it felt like a seven-game series. Yeah, you know, I think the turning point was that game two. Uh, I could give them game one. You know, you know, you know they, played, they played good in game one. You know, that third period was tough. But game two was the game that, in my opinion, you, you can't have three goal leads, uh, two goal leads, I'm sorry, three times, you know, lose that game. That, that to me, was the, the, was the tough loss uh, to suffer. But... No, absolutely. I mean, uh, it was a good, considering it was a five-game final, minus the way the Rangers played in game three, which actually wasn't all that bad considering, yeah, it's been more like a seven-game series than a five-game series. Well, the good thing about the Rangers getting this far, even though they lost, is that you have the Stanley Cup final ends, and then boom, right away you've got the awards, you've got the draft. <laughs> free agency kicks off and and before you know it uh you know the, the new season will be right around the corner when you happen to play nine months of the year like they did and like the kings did um and free agency started and going into free agency i wanted Boyle gone i wanted strawman gone um i wanted pouliot gone and i wanted dominic moore to come back and right off the bat within the first few hours of day one all those things happened for us yeah i mean it was uh it was an interesting day for the Rangers because you kind of knew that a lot of things were going to fall apart for them. You know, Strawman was going to get a ridiculous contract, which he did, uh, which was not quite as ridiculous as the contract that Benoit Pouliot got, which the Oilers probably already regret, even though the season hasn't started. Uh, we'll agree to disagree on Brian Boyle. I thought he was, uh, I thought he's been solid. I think he's been a good Ranger, and especially the fact that he only got $2 million per year. Uh, I thought that was a contract the Rangers should have matched. Now, that might have been his choice to leave. There was a lot of speculation he wanted more, you know, more responsibility. Maybe he wanted to play with Brian Callahan, who, uh, you know, is down in Tampa, signed the extension. So, you know, that's a, that's a tough loss in my opinion, but obviously Boyle's not a, you know, he's not a top six player, so he's obviously replaceable more of a nostalgic thing. And, you know, how good he's been, you know, you know penalty kill, blocking the shots, yada, yada, yada. I agree on Dominic Moore. I thought he was a good guy he wanted to bring back. He was, uh, you know, he's been around the league for a while now. You know, he does some good things. And I agreed on Dan Boyle. I thought he was a guy that, you know, he's, he, I don't want to call him the missing piece to the puzzle, but he's certainly a piece they haven't had. And I don't really care about age. You know, 37, 38 years old. He's in here to do one thing and one thing only, and that's, uh, you know, contributing to run the power play, which he's, 
you know, he's been known to do, and he's been really good at, at doing that. Uh, he's not going to be your major minutes guy. It's still going to be Ryan McDonough and your favorite guy, Dan Girardi. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the Rangers still lack a few things. They still need a forward. They still need a, you know, they signed some depth defensemen uh, who I really don't even know much about. But, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, in my opinion, what the Rangers need right now is one more offensive player because they filled that fourth line with a couple of, uh, you know, guys like Tanner Glass and, uh, you know, guys that are kind of just going to fill, you know, fill the void, give, maybe give some young players a chance and just for fact, maybe J.T. Miller can find the game, you know, a consistent role in the team. But, look, at the end of the day, you still have Rick Nash, you know, you still have Derek Stepan, you still have Henrik Lundqvist, so the major pieces are still there. Uh, I think they need one more offensive player. I don't know who that is, but I've you know, there's all this speculation about Joe Thornton, but he's not going to uh, leave San Jose. And then you just go by names that are available, uh, and you go from there. Well, you started off with Dan Boyle, and now, you know, for as long as we've been, uh, you know, talking hockey, and you haven't been wrong, I think, to this point about the Rangers and uh, going into free agency, there's always that one person they seem to target. Uh, and you always, you know, you're always sort of on top of it, even though, you know, obviously it's rumored and it's reported beforehand, but when you say something's going to happen, it, it sort of tends to happen. I mean, it was none of us. I, I haven't surprised anybody. There weren't any. I didn't call it last year. They were going to sign Benoit Pouliot until one year deal. So, uh, you know, but, you know, a lot of it's just logic, you know, it's just finding guys that they need. You know, I still think they need Steve Ott to be their third line guy. They're not going to go out and get a major impact first line player. You know, it's not like that's easy to get. You can't, you know, the joke I always say is you can't go to Target and buy a, you know, a first line center. So, uh, if they weren't able to sign Stasny, uh, which they weren't able to do, it looks like they're going to continue to go with Stepan and Broussard, who eventually is going to sign if the arbitration doesn't work. You know, if it doesn't work, you know, he went to arbitration, so he'll be back. You know, that third-line center role is still out there. I mean, I, I'm not going to go with Dominic Moore. He's going to be the fourth-line center. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I think Steve Moss, that guy, uh, you, know, he's, you know, he's got a knack to kind of do things that are kind of in your face. He wins face-offs. He can contribute offensively. I don't think he's going to cost a ton. He's kind of he's a guy cooking the wing. He brings leadership. Uh, so I think that's, if they're going to go that route of a third-line guy instead of a first-line guy, uh, that's the guy I think would be a perfect fit here. Well, you mentioned Tanner Glass, and it seems to me, I, I saw something about how he was the worst statistical player in the league uh, last year going by, you know, hockey saver metrics and, you know, take those uh, as you will but uh it just seems yeah, to I me like I take all. <laughs> well, it just seems to me like for that spot you know to give up that money for that guy they have to have someone in the minors ahl to give a shot to to play in that role it just seemed to me like they didn't need to go out and you know spend money in that area when they could have probably used it somewhere else well i think they were well it wasn't all that expensive i mean 1.4 million dollars you know it, it's not I, I actually like the idea of bringing someone like in that in that deal for three years you know, because what we saw the first year was, you know, Elaine Vigneault and this system give get players like like Benoit Pouliot major contract after one year. So if you if, you know you would honestly, I would have liked Pouliot back at 1.4 million dollars. You know, but he was going to get you know he, he showed that he could be somewhat of a decent player. So if they can kind of do that with Tanner Glass and make him a seven or eight goal guy and kill penalties and you know fight when he has to, then you know, having him for three years won't be so bad. But I'm not ready to, you know, completely dismiss the guy when I haven't seen him play yet for the Rangers and see what role they're going to use him at. Obviously, right now, he's going to be a penalty killer and a fourth liner and, you know, a grinder, which you need. 
Um, you know, I'd still like to see them bring uh, one of your favorites, Dan Carcino, back, who I thought was a very good ranger. No, I agree. I think he should have been back. And, you know, if things go differently in uh, that game three against the Canadians, uh, you know, he probably ends up playing more than getting suspended there and then end up being in the press box for the rest of the time. But, you know, he was a great Ranger. He played well. He proved that he, when given a chance, um, he has more talent than the typical, uh, you know, fourth line grinder, scrapper. He can play up on those, uh, you know, play up on the third line, play up even on the first two lines, which he did at times and which he did when he was in Chicago. Uh, I think he's a great fan. I definitely think they should bring him back. Yeah, I don't think that's been ruled out. I think the Rangers like him. I, you know, he's good. He was, tech, he was considered a good locker room guy, so I would not be shocked if, as the summer goes, you know, you find out that Dan Carcillo will be back for a year in a very, very, very reasonable contract. Well, we didn't talk about him, and I obviously wanted to, but his name's been mentioned a few times already. That's Benoit Pouliot, who. He went in the opening minutes of free agency. You know, he gets this ludicrous deal, and I, I think what's even crazier about the deal is the idea that the Oilers saw him play and said, you know, that's going to be the guy we're going to target right off the bat. We're going to go get Benoit Pouliot. And they did right away. When his agent's doing it, I'm sure, obviously, talks happen before the free agent period technically starts. When he's hearing these rumors about what they're offering him, I mean, he must have just—he he must have been as shocked as anyone. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I would have had no problem with the Rangers bringing him back for four or five years at a, you know, very, very reasonable contract. You know, one and a half million dollars, maybe even two million dollars just to keep that line together with Zuccarello, which uh, was productive. But, uh, no, I can't. You know, I have major issues. I mean, I just have no idea how we got $20 million. I mean, that's, that's making him one of the highest-paid players in that team. I mean, you wonder why nobody takes that franchise seriously. I mean, they have a lot of good young players. Taylor Hall, Nugent Hopkins, Everly, uh, the defenseman, uh, Schultz. You know, but, but to look at them, to, to have them look at the free agent market, you know, there were some good players out there. Camilleri, you know, Havlid, who got a really good deal, I thought, with New Jersey at $1.5 million. To think that Benoit Pouliot's the guy they could build around for $4 million a year for five years is just, I don't get it. I have no problem with the years. I mean, you want a, lot, you want a guy for five years, the guy wants the time long-term, you know, he's in the prime of his career or whatever, you know, but $4 million a year, and that's a brutal... I mean, they're going to... They, they, there's no doubt they're going to regret that contract. People hyped him up and thought he was this great thing, and, I mean, he, he has 15 goals this year... And that's his second highest total in his career. His highest was two years ago with the Bruins. He had 16. So, you know, this is a former first-round pick, and I know you're all on top of the fact that at one point he was the number four overall pick, which means at some point in his life somebody thought he was worthy of being the number four overall pick. But obviously scouting is an exact science, and this guy had no business being uh, the fourth overall pick in 2005. And he's a 15-goal scorer. I mean, at best, if everything went right, he'd get 20. Given the amount of scoring chances he has, he probably should be like a 30 to 35 guy but he just can't seem to finish and then the playoffs everyone thought he did, did a great job too and he only had 10 points five goals five assists and 25 playoff games so I'm not exactly sure what the Oilers saw but it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that you're signing a less than half a point per game guy to 20 million dollars he's okay he's an okay player you know he, he fits a role um but I just you know I'm just curious to what role the Oilers see him and do they see him as a top line guy because you know, they're going to be very, very uh, disappointed, you know, when the season starts. Uh, if you're giving that guy kind of, that kind of money, then you're, you're, you're expecting big things out of him. And I'm not sure exactly what they're expecting from him. 
Well, also, uh, Brian Boyle, uh, he goes to Tampa, and supposedly Callahan had something to do with him and, and uh, Strawman both going there, which is, you know, fine with me. See, see you guys later. Uh, and, you know, you said uh, you, were, you would have taken Boyle back, and I think the sentiment for a lot of Rangers fans was that they would have liked to see Boyle back. I think his stock um, sort of climbed in the playoffs um, and down the stretch this season. He was a better player, even I'm willing to admit that, than he had been in the past. But still, at the same time, I think you know. I think it was fine that they parted ways, and uh, I don't think he would have been worth giving even what the Lightning gave him. Oh, look, I have no problem with him leaving. I just thought he was, uh, you know, a good piece to the puzzle. He was a piece to the puzzle at a reasonable price. You know, that was. I mean, he looked. He scored a big goal in Game Seven against you know the, uh, the Penguins. He had that tremendous goal in Game Five against the Kings. I mean, look. Again, he's an okay player. He's not great, but he filled a role. And, you know, what I do respect the fact he took a little less money to play in a good situation in, in Tampa. So, you know, you know, good good for him. But, uh, you know, disappointing he's not going to be here. I like guys that play in the team for a long time. You, you know, you get used to them. And, look, there's times where he makes you want to pull the air out of my head. Um, and I have plenty of it, uh, you know, in most of my head. <laughs> but, um, but you, know, you know, he's just kind of a guy who's become a fixture on the team. He became a player with the Rangers. You know, he kind of was a... A nobody when he got here was a former first-round pick. He was horrible his first year. He scored over 20 goals his second year and became a kind of a fixture on that, you know, down the, down the center for the Rangers and on the penalty kill. But, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, it was a good little run. He got to a conference final, a cup final, and, you know, hopefully he finishes uh, second best in the East for the rest of his career. And also there's Anton Strowman, who, again, now obviously we saw the Rangers uh, play, you know, whatever, uh, what did they play, 7-7, seven, 14-20, seven, 20, 25 playoff games, 82 regular. So we saw 100 and, uh, what is that, I don't even know, 82 plus 25, 107 uh, or so playoff uh, Rangers games this year. So we see these guys more than anyone else, and, Anton Stroman, his stock seemed to climb more than any other Ranger. Um, and again, you know, I'm not sure people were people watching the same Anton Stroman I was. I mean, yeah, in the in the Stanley Cup Final, he threw a few hip checks, uh, made some nice plays, probably looked the best he did overall than any other time in his career. But this is also a guy who is, you know, a bubble player in the lineup every single game. Um, probably could have lost out in his spot to Rafael Diaz a few times if Rafael Diaz wasn't such a liability uh, in his own zone. But I mean, Anton Stroman, another guy, very overhyped. Seems to be very overrated. He gets the five-year, $22.5 million deal from the Lightning. I think that just goes to show where the market for defense was. I and mean, Andy McDonald's got $30 million, which, uh, again, makes absolutely no sense. Uh, look, he, again, a uh, valuable player, uh, you know, plays every game, you know, throws his body around, doesn't put up a ton of points, you know, probably play as a number four. Um, but to get $4.5 million, I mean, good for him. You know, he, he earned it. You know, he earned his money because he got it. You know, but he's not, you know, for the Rangers, to, he could not, definitely could not commit that kind of money to him. Um, you know, nice player, you know, again, fills a role. But, uh, you know, for that, again, that's a contract that, look, they may not regret it because he's going to play every game. You know, but I don't know what they're expecting out of him. Are they, are they expecting him just to play for four and a half million dollars or produce a little more offensively? He's not going to get that. Um you know, but you know, good for him. I, I don't. You know, I'm not going to bad mouth him. I, I thought he did a good job with the Rangers, and you know, he earned his contract. So it's just, you know, he's. But again, he's a replaceable player. You know, you know, they'll find another guy kind of on that bubble tier as you mentioned, and in a couple of years, he'll probably sign a big deal somewhere else. So I'm not going to sweat the fact that Anton Strom is not a Ranger. <laughs> 
Well, going into free agency, uh, you had alluded to the fact that it was a possibility that, you know, that we could see Gabrick come back to the Rangers. Um, I was hoping for it. You know, I've been a huge Gabrick fan his entire career, even when he started out in Minnesota. Loved him with the Rangers. Thought it was a disaster that what they traded, uh, when they traded him, what they traded for, why they traded him. Um, and then he goes on, wins the Cup, beats the Rangers, and now he gets a seven-year deal. Um, you know, I don't, I can't hate the Kings for it because of how well he played this year, and it's not crazy money. The average annual is not that nuts. Um, but I think everyone's shocked, right? That you know, Gabrick's getting seven million dollars, going to take him almost to, I mean, seven years, going to take him almost till he's forty years old. I just didn't, I didn't know he wanted to sign for that long. So I mean, I was a little surprised the Kings were willing to commit that long. But I have no problem marrying Gabrick. I know he's injury prone or whatever, um, but I thought he was a good Ranger. I thought he fell victim to a system that wasn't working for him. I thought if he came back to the Rangers, you know, he'd be absolutely tremendous. But, look, you score 14 goals in the playoffs. If you win a Stanley Cup, you're going you're gonna to make a lot of money. And he did that. And, you know, I'm happy for him in that aspect. But seven years, the term, you know, it's the complete opposite. I, I understand why Ben Lafoulia, why you would sign him for five years to fill a very small role, third, fourth line, at a reasonable price, although he didn't get a reasonable price. The Gabbard's the complete opposite. I can see signing him for three years, maybe four, getting the max out of the rest of his career. But seven years, I mean, I don't know what you're, what exactly you're going to get that, that fifth, sixth, and seven year of that contract. You know, because I can't imagine he's going to be as productive. But, you know, you know, he earned it. You know, he got, uh, you know, he got half a year for every, uh, every goal he scored in the playoffs. So good for him. Well, when we started doing podcasts together, uh, it's now, I think, like four years ago, um, around this time when when the Rangers were going after a Brad Richards in free agency and they got him for the nine-year $60 million. And at the time, uh, you know, it looked like the move they had to make. It looked like the right move. Um, that first year was pretty good. And overall, I'd say Richards, you know, few years with the Rangers were pretty good. He sort of fatigued at the end of the season, uh, both this postseason and last postseason. But, you know, overall, um, they overpaid for him, obviously, to get him to come here. Um, and, and with the concussion pass, they, they caught a break. Nothing really came up with that but uh i i'd give you know i'd give him a, a solid b grade for his time here i thought he did a good enough job um he was leadership uh he, he had he did score some big goals in the playoff run a couple years ago when they went to the eastern conference finals uh but it just seemed like after this year and and the way he played down the stretch getting relegated to the fourth line after being a, you know a first and second line guy his whole life and and then after getting scratched last year it just seemed like the buyout was inev- inevitable at this point yeah he was just a victim of a, another bad contract so I, I agree with you on that, that B. I mean, his, his three years, year, two years, they got, you know, to the conference final and the Stanley Cup final. Um, you know, he had that brutal second year with the, you know, the lockout year with, you know, getting scratched in the playoffs. So that, that, you know, obviously that it was pretty brutal. But, you know, I thought he brought a lot. I, I thought he had a good three year run with the Rangers. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to see him. He took a small deal with the Blackhawks to play in a competitive team in the West where he can kind of, you know, kind of go under the radar to probably have a good year because he's on a very good team. So, you know, I uh, just wish him all the best and hope he doesn't come back to burn the Rangers in the uh, the Cup final next year. But uh, yeah, I mean, Richard was a good Ranger. It was a move they had to make at the time. I agree with you. I mean, I think we were all were kind of fooled and thinking that he might have been able to be a first line center because he obviously was not that. But 
uh, definitely a leader in the locker room and, uh, you know, scores the big goals, including the game winner in Game 7 in the conference final this year. Yeah, and I think the, the thing that sucks most about Richards is that he would have been the perfect uh, $2 million guy in this Rangers team. Now, you know, playing the role he's going to play in Chicago would have fit perfectly here. So it's just devastating to see that, you know, because they amnesty him, he has to go somewhere else. And uh, that somewhere else happens to be Chicago where he'll fit in nicely. He doesn't have to, you know, carry any anything. He doesn't have to lead the power play. He doesn't have to be the biggest voice in the locker room. He could just sort of go about his business, and he'll probably, you know, bounce back with some huge year there. Yeah, with you know, 50, 60 points in a, you know, a, in a, you know, probably a second or a third line role, you know, playing with, you know, God knows, you know, play with, you know, Hosa or Patrick Sharp, and, you know, those guys can have great years, and they'll kind of just uh, work with that, so, um, you know, no wishes of Richard leaving, and no wishes with him, no wishes of him going to Chicago. And also, uh, with Chicago in that Central Division, I mean, you look at what's happened there with Stastny going to the Blues, um, Aginlaw signing with the Avalanche, Spezza getting traded, uh, you know, the Stars, that whole Western Conference now, I mean, especially in the Central, but the whole West, for the most part, I mean, it's just so stacked that uh, if people thought there was a discrepancy between the West and the East this year, I feel like it's only going to get that much bigger next year, um, especially, you know, with the trades uh, between Anaheim and Vancouver, Vancouver getting Miller. It just seems like every team out there is a playoff caliber team and it's going to take you know high 90s just to get into the playoffs it's always like that in the west and that's why uh that's partially part that's partially the reason why everybody thought the rangers had no chance in the cup final because you know that west is so good and the kings are so much better now i think the rangers uh competed well and didn't get themselves embarrassed considering it was a four to one series but yeah i mean look i I like uh i like again going to colorado i've always liked jerome mcginla uh, I, I, I'm not. Sh- I, if I were him, I would have made it a little more of an effort to stay with uh, Boston because I thought they're, you know, probably the best team in the East still. But you know, I think the Blues are going to regret the money they gave Stastny. But I think he's a good player. He's, a, you know, he's a 60 to 70 point guy. Is that worth seven million dollars a year? I, I don't think so. But you know, if, he, if they think he's a piece that's going to get them over the top, then you got to make that move. So. You know, the West gets better, and then the East kind of stay the same, or it's not a little worse. Well, also around the league, uh, you know, you've got movement, especially in Florida, where the Panthers <laughs> made a bunch of sightings, and uh, Dale Talon down there, uh, our good buddy who I chaired that uh, Gabrick uh, game-winning goal next to a few years ago when you were sitting next to me, and he sort of gave me the death look. But he's getting all the guys that he had in Chicago to come south now, and uh, with the no-state tax in Florida, um, getting some you know veteran leadership, some guys who have been to the playoffs, won the Cup, maybe they'll start to turn things around down south. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, look, the, the, their goaltending situation with Luongo is good. Uh, you know, they got out of the Jovanovski contract. You know, that team to me always has been decent to medi- you know, mediocre to decent. You know, they haven't had much since the great John Van Beeswerk era of getting to the cup final and the Huey Krupp goal. Um, but, yeah, you like to see them bounce back, and I've always liked Dale Town. So, you know, we'll see. You know, the, the interesting move to me was uh, Rutherford going to Pittsburgh and then basically getting screwed out of multiple coaches and getting Mike Johnson, I mean, uh, you know, that, that to me was a weird one that I kind of didn't see. I, I thought somebody like uh, Barry Trotter went there before he went to uh, Washington, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, things play out the way they did. And I like Rutherford. I mean, he built the Stanley Cup champion in, in uh, Carolina. So, uh, you know, I like the movie made bringing Steve Downey and a good tough guy. You could score some goals with uh, Malkin and, Crosby, so uh, I didn't love the Neal trade, although although James Neal kind of was useless in the playoffs. You know, I think Nashville. I don't think he's gonna you know be as productive as he was with uh, with Pittsburgh, but you know a lot of you know the this this you know you're right, man. A lot of uh, off season movement 
Um, you know, and one one thing that that stayed the same was Ryan Callahan to me, and I was shocked uh, signing an extension with uh, Tampa before he even hit free agency. Uh, that actually surprised me quite a bit. Yeah, and I was going to save him, uh, you know, towards the end because I feel like when you look at the deal, when you look at what he started with asking the Rangers for last summer to where he came down to with the Lightning, and granted, um, you know, the state tax issues in Florida and how much different it is from New York, um, he probably ends up getting close to around the same money. But it seems like, you know, the, the deal he asked for the Rangers just because of the captaincy and just because of, you know, all the things we've talked about uh, in March especially, um, it seems like he sort of, you know, backed off a little of that. Um, he still got a pretty good deal, much better than what he's worth as, you know, a third line guy you know 20 25 goal scorer but uh yeah it didn't make a whole lot of sense that he was so adamant it seemed like about hitting free agency about um you know sort of playing the field and seeing what his options were and that's part of the reason he's gone from new york and he goes so quickly right back to tampa bay you know what surprised me even if he went to july 1st and re-signed with tampa i was surprised he didn't just go to july 1st you know just because that's kind of like you know a, a, a perk of being a free agent is you get that chance to Field all these offers and see where you're going to spend a good portion of your career with. And, and look, you know, Tampa's got a good team. Uh, you know, I would want to play with Steven Stamkos too. But, uh, and look, I've been down there. And part, part of the answer might have been the fact that you know, Tampa's a nice area. You know, I would not have a problem moving down there and living there, you know, throughout the year, you know, especially in this, the winter where it's not, you know, too, uh, too cold and the summer where it can get hot but nice. Um, you know, maybe that factored into his decision, but. You know, it's an up-and-coming team, but again, you know, one of the perks of being an athlete is you get to go to free agency if you're a good player and get, you know, 10 offers of, you know, God knows how many million dollars. And I'm surprised that, uh, you know, we didn't let that day come. Well, when you look around the league, and obviously you got the Pouliot deal, which was a little crazy, uh, the Gabrick one, which took people by surprise. Is there any other deals that, you know, you were really shocked at or any, you know, deals that you feel like uh, will be, you know, easily regrettable um, in maybe the coming year or two? I'll tell you two deals I thought were great, and they were both signed uh, by Lou Lamarillo. I love bringing Marty Havlid in, you know, 1.45. I think it was 1.45 or $1.5 million. I mean, you want to talk about low-risk, high-reward. You know, if he has a good year, he'll probably sign elsewhere afterwards. But you can get, if he can come in and score 35 goals, you know, 40 assists and help that team, you know, get better, I think that's a great signing. And I like Mike Camilleri for five years. Not at you know under six million dollars for five years for a guy who could score twenty to twenty five goals, very fast, been in the league for a long time, had some injury issues, but you know I, I thought those were two good. I mean New Jersey now with those two solid offensive players with Eliash and Yager, um, you know I thought they did some good things. You know now you got Corey Schneider one hundred percent in goal uh, with Marty Bordeaux still out there. Um, I thought New Jersey did a good job uh, on July 1st. And, you know, quickly, uh, I forgot to mention it before, when you mentioned about Aguinlaw going to Colorado, it seemed like the best fit was for him and Boston because it seems like they are still the best team, uh, even, you know, with what happened with the playoffs this year in the second round. But, you know, they stood pat at the, the free agency, and granted, you know, they didn't have as much cap space as other teams, and their fans were sort of, you know, upset with day one because, you know, teams are going nuts signing everything, everything left and right, and they didn't do much, but... Really, I don't think they have to do much. Like you said, I think they're still the best team. I think they're still the team to beat in the East, um, and they were so this year, except for you know blowing um, you know the three-two series lead against the Canadians. But it just seems to me like they didn't need to make any moves, and that's why they didn't. No, and they can still build in the draft. They have some young players. They'll probably bring a guy in this year, you know, from the minors that'll turn into a decent player. 
you know, for them, I still would have made every effort I could have to bring Gimlet back just because I thought he was such a good fit there. You know, one thing they got to worry about this year because uh, David Kreitke is an unrestricted free agent yet next year. Um, so I'm sure that's something they're focusing on. But, yeah, I mean, when you're that good, you just got to make some minor uh, adjustments here and there and, you know, always add a couple of uh, extra forwards and a, a couple of depth defensemen, which I'm sure they will do as the offseason goes. But, yeah, I mean, if you're that good, you have a great goaltender, uh, you still have some great players. You know, you don't really have to do too much. Well, with the Rangers uh, coming off a Stanley Cup final appearance, winning the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, the only thing now you look forward to is them actually winning the Stanley Cup final. And, you know, they got to the doorstep of the final a couple years ago. This year they get into it. Um, they don't win it. And now, uh, you know, getting there you leaves that taste in your mouth that, you know, you just got to get back there and you want to get back there as soon as possible. And, you know, with the moves they made, it seems like, you know, for the most part, you'll have basically the same, you know, gist of this team. Obviously, St. Louis for um, a full season, you know, more stability on defense with Dan Boyle. Hopefully, um, a better overall power play with Dan Boyle as well. But, you know, overall, do you like what the Rangers have done so far? I know, you know, obviously we have three months to go and a full summer until hockey starts again. But, you know, coming off a Stanley Cup final, leaving a bad taste in your mouth, um, at least for me, you know, it sort of brought a, you know, a good taste that they're able to get the one guy they really wanted, um, able to keep more and able to sort of, you know, replace the guys that did leave. I mean, yeah, I thought bringing in, I mean, look, they've liked Dan Boyle for, for you know, eight or nine years now. So, it's, you know, it's minorly disappointing it took them so long, uh, you know, for them to finally acquire him. But, you know, they got him at a reasonable rate. He wanted to play here. Um, you know, he sees them, you know, as a team that could win. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm satisfied with that. I, obviously, I like bringing Dominic Moore back. Look, they're going to have to replace you know, Brad Richards and, get, and getting a center. So that's still something they're going to look into, whether it be trade or or something. So that's the one thing. I still think they're, they're an offensive player away, you know, from where even they were last year. You know, they'll bring back Zuccarello, obviously. They'll bring back Broussard. You know, you'll get a full year quieter now healthy. You know, we really uh, get another guy that kind of turned the edge and, uh, you know, turned it on in the, in the playoffs. You'll see what he is. Maybe he'll score 30 goals this year. And if he does that, then, you know, you don't really have to worry about another offensive player. But, you know, I still have a major issue with relying on Derek Stepan as your first-line center, but again, I think it's just something that they're going to have to deal with. Well, the season starts uh, three months from tomorrow, and you know we're in this—you know—about to get the All-Star break of baseball, the second half swing. Uh, you know, the Yankees are on the rise here. Your Mets are, you know, holding on to hope that something good will go, you know, right for them. But you know, what what does Brian Monzo do in the summer now without hockey uh, to fill the void here? Uh, I do two things: Del Mar. And Saratoga. <laughs> Del Mar opens uh, uh, July 17th. Opening day at Saratoga's July 18th. Uh, I already took off both days. I'm going to put together pick fives and pick sixes and, you know, sit up and enjoy some uh, Mexican beer, do a lot of grilling. And uh, I think, I'll tell you what I do. I take the entire August off of hockey. I'll still look at it every day. Up until August 1st, obviously if something major happens, I'll get involved. But I won't think about the Rangers once in August. And, um, you know, as soon as training camp gets started right in September, you know, we'll get back into the flow of things. But, you know, uh, this mid-July to August is all horse racing for me and obviously paying attention to the baseball and, you know, rooting for David Ortiz to continue to uh, put on top of his Hall of Fame numbers. (laughs) Um, Well, he's not going to the Hall of Fame, that's for sure. Well, He's such a light guy that, uh, you know, by the media, and I'm being serious, that, you know, he does the things that Albert Bell, who should be a Hall of Famer, uh, didn't do. And, he, you know, he's nice to people in the media, aside of, you know, complaining scores and, 
you know, getting called for steroids occasionally. <laughs> well, what's funny is when I said, "What does Brian Monzo do for the three months of that hockey?" and I was, and then I was going to say, you know, aside from hanging out with your three kids, I thought you were going to mention it. You didn't even mention them. Well, I'm, I am taking them. To, I'm taking them to Disney the end of August, so that'll be their. Uh, oh, that's cool. That'll be the time I get to. Yeah, right. As soon as we leave Bar A, you know, for the Francesca Bar A summer bash, I'm going to leave there. Uh, right from Bar A to drive down to Disney and try and get there the next day. So you're driving down. Driving down. Wow, that's a, funny. What is that right hours? I'm, yeah, but I got you know they all have iPads and you know they'll sleep through the night, so it'll be a uh, it'll be an adventure. I'm going to stop at the Waffle House nine times. Yeah, you know, I can't wait, man. I'm excited. But that's no, this good. is a good time, and uh, we will uh, look forward to talking more about uh, why JT Miller won't be on the team in September. <laughs> All right. Well, if uh, if anything happens this summer, if there's a, you know a huge trade, um, if your Mets for some reason climb out of this hole and get into wild card contention, you know maybe we'll talk again. And if not, uh, we we you go rest and get ready for this next season. Noah Syndergaard for Starlin Castro. They got to make it happen. <laughs> All right, Monzo, it's good talking to you as always, and uh, enjoy your summer. Later.